There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the family with Tom Bernard and... Co-host, Catherine Brandt. Tevin Pittman. Alex Brandt-Bernard Rasmussen. Andy Brandt-Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. Oh, can I redo mine? Yeah. Co-host, Catherine Brandt. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Us with Catherine. We'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Can't touch this. I danced to the song. Remember that? Yep, I do remember. I did the worm. I absolutely remember. <laughs> the worm. Yeah, remember? Gator. Gator. Oh, this isn't even. No, no, it's can't not. Can't touch this. Wow. This is too. No, it's not. Uh-uh. Can't touch. It's super freak. No. Super freak. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is super freak. You're right. Never mind. Super freaky. Well, they're all, one's broke and the other one's dead. So what the hell do you want me to tell <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Let me Nothing know when happiness. we hear from, from Richard, if you would. That'd be I good. Shall. I shall. All right. So what did you guys think? I thought, I thought Roger was a really, really interesting guest. 
Um, passionate. I didn't. Yes. <laughs> he's very passionate, no doubt about it. I'm not real happy with the fact that somebody knows where I am at all times. That's not my favorite thing ever. Well, yeah. do you guys care? I mean, I, I, I think say, younger no. people are just like, that's just how the world is, like, whatever. Well, yeah, I, pretty much. Like, to me, it doesn't, I don't care because I'm like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. So, why would it the point? The, I, the point is, is that they shouldn't be able to take everything about you. And possibly use it against you. Like he said, I mean, you might not be able to get insurance because of something that you posted on Facebook or or a doctor's report that came over your email. That's true. That's, yeah, I mean, that's a big problem. Yeah, I, don't, I think, like, when he was talking about, like, oh, they nudge you to do certain things, like, yeah, it's nothing mm-hmm. noticeable when you search, like whatever you're looking at podcast equipment and then mm-hmm. it, now all of a sudden you're seeing all these ads for different podcast equipment or like i when i worked at the house of comedy i drove like their house comedy vehicle and they were they would have you download that i think it was a ford escape ford focus whatever some ford mm-hmm. and they download the ford app and every time i got in the car it would connect to my phone and it would say oh you're going to such and such a place just based off of the time and like where i usually mm-hmm. drove mm-hmm. it was the creepiest thing That's ever weird. Like, it was 100 percent accurate like oh it's 10 miles is going to take you 10 minutes to get to the gym. And I'd be like, how did you know that I was going to the gym right now? I think a lot of it has to do with consumerism. How can they target certain demographics? And, you know, because it it seems like everybody's so um, innocuous. I mean, like, no anonymous, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say, because we're always searching stuff up on our computers and stuff. We're not going to stores like we used to. So they don't know how to target certain groups of people. So then they have to have this algorithm to find out who, what age group is searching for this or that. Yeah. I mean, I was just saying the other day, because I've been having some back issues, and Dave and I were just talking about us, you know, for me to see a chiropractor. Next thing I know, in my uh, news feed on Facebook, I'm seeing chiropractor after chiropractor, and I didn't Google search yeah. it. I didn't type anything mm. chiropractic in my search browser. Well, it's like I text messaged to Brittany, we go to Disney on Wednesday, and then I open my Time Hop app, which is like pictures from the past yeah. like on your phone, and the first ad was for Disney World. <laughs> there you go. So, there you go. Well, and why I think that this is one of the reasons why people are getting so crazy politically, because you know, they're targeting people. Yes. Yes. You know, especially those Facebook ads. I mean, they're making everything sound like it's the end of the world if you don't think this way or do that. And that's not a, that's not a safe thing to do with people. I'm just offended because I get a lot of ads for Spanx. <laughs> okay. All the time. All the time. Multiple times a day. Now I you're going to get more because you mentioned it. Yeah, well, I don't know how I could because it's constant. And I'm like, is it just because I had two kids? Probably, They're like, you actually. need Spanx. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Come on. Let's start talking and about that free lady money. Spanks. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. Rude. Uh, ah, you'll be fine. I, know, I, have, I don't know. I follow this gal on Instagram and on her stories. She's like, you always, you guys always send me pictures of things that like I'll talk about it, like crayons or something, and you'll get like a Crayola ad. And she's like, so randomly, she'll just be talking about something, and then she'll just say like water bottle, and then people send her <laughs> pictures of ads that they got of water bottles. Uh, it's like so weird. Uh, it is. It's yeah, weird. not good. I mean, so I, I, I know that you guys like, you know feel like that's just business as usual but you should be concerned yes i'm concerned no i absolutely i I don't need somebody knowing where i I, you know it's not i do anything wrong i basically they're sitting at facebook going my god this guy's life is boring all he ever does is work and deliver it's all he ever does that's exactly what they're doing right dirty look from Catherine as we speak so you know well they're gonna be Tune in on Wednesday because I'll be in Disney with my lovely wife and our daughter and our son-in-law and our grandkids. And Andy refused to come, which doesn't make me happy. But don't worry about my feelings. Mm. <laughs> He's not even responding. That's the best thing thanks to do, Andy. Yeah, Andy's got, got it figured out, just the non-response. Just don't best. even respond? Yes. I suppose that's probably true. It is true. Hollywood A-listers like Sarah Jessica Parker and Amy Poehler are bent on saving New York waitresses, but the response thus far isn't exactly positive. The celebs are among 16 actresses who wrote New York Governor Andrew Cuomo urging him to raise servers low minimum wage in order to create a better environment for working women, saying 70% of restaurant servers are female 
email, the letter pointed to research that relying on tips creates a more permissive work environment where customers feel entitled to abuse women in exchange for service. Women deserve to earn a fair base wage so that the tips they still collect don't come at a personal cost. Um, This is what I love, though. Uh, the resounding message from servers in New York to these actresses in Hollywood is just leave us alone. <laughs> I love that. Maggie Rosinski, who tends bar at Outback Steakhouse Upstate, these celebrities have literally no idea. No. I feel like they need to butt out. She also wrote a pretty biting letter to the A-listers on behalf of the Restaurant Workers of America. As it stands, the minimum wage for tipped workers is two thirteen federally, seven fifty upstate New York, and ten dollars in New York City. The state's labor department is reviewing the issue, which could also affect businesses like food delivery, nail salons, and car washes. But the servers just want all these Amy Polers and the Sarah Jessica Parkers of the world leave me alone and get the hell out of my business. Which I love. Well, you've got people that have never had really a serious problem in their life financially. Right. right. You know, or maybe they had to struggle a tiny little bit right oh, out of college. God, it was terrible. You know, um, and they just have to find someone to, you know, help. Yep. They right. Just, they just have to help you. They feel guilty. Because they don't know. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. They feel guilty, so they have to help the yeah. downtrodden. Yeah, they, yeah, they want to join the struggle. It's like, but you never struggled. So. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, Tevin, when's the next time you're going to Krispy Kreme? Um, Krispy Kreme. Gosh, there's not one around mm. here, but trust me, I would love to go to Krispy Kreme. They are the uh, best donut that I've ever had. And uh, you're probably going to tell me something that's going to try and change my mind. But, Tom, you cannot, uh, you cannot stop what's already been started. No, no, I'm just saying I didn't know you supported Nazism and Adolf Hitler. But other than that. <sighs> what happened See, now? You're, you're the most racist person the I ever met. Way to go. so good. You know the feeling you get <laughs> when, that, when that light but. comes on? Like the, when the hot and fresh light is on? Like it just warms my soul. <laughs> yes. I understand that completely. Uh, I, uh, the, apparently the Ryman family are... are uh, Releasing information, the information came out, I guess is a better way to put it, that apparently, uh, I think Arthur Ryman Sr., I think it's Arthur Ryman Sr. and Arthur Ryman Jr. supported Adolf Hitler and Nazism and used uh, uh, encamped French and Russian um, prisoners uh, to work at their factory. So whenever you buy Krispy Kreme, you're supporting Nazism. Way to go! Yeah, well, it's God, like, they what do you everything. want us to do about that? Burn down the business? Right. And if we boycott every business that has some... Oh, you got that yeah, right. for real. ...racial, whatever, tension from the past that black mar- or, uh, yeah. red flags, then we're not getting anything. One of Germany's richest families whose company owns a controlling interest in Krispy Kreme donuts, Panera Bread, Pret-a-Manger... And other well-known businesses plans to donate millions to charity after learning about their ancestors' enthusiastic support of Adolf Hitler and use of forced laborers under the Nazis. You do understand, though, when you were living in that era, if you didn't support them, you were shot. In the yeah, that's, yeah, that's well, the that's other very. Thing. I mean, it was. I mean, does it? I mean, did they know that they were just like, oh, yay, we can't wait to be a Nazi? No, I don't. They well, they supported Hitler. It? Well, to tell you the truth, you know who supported Hitler right out of the box was Joe Kennedy, but nobody ever mentions that. Shh, don't tell him. We did, absolutely. <laughs> I still love that. I still love uh, Washington, D.C. is just so fascinating to me. This is horrible, and we're going to go. I just love how all these families, and look, I grew up Catholic, so when I found out the, the Kennedys were filthy, which they are, I mean, between killing people in cars and this, that, and the other thing, and the old man. Um, Election rigging, all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. My mother loved the Kennedys because they were Catholic, the only Catholic, Roman Catholic president ever. Uh, but here you go, ladies and gentlemen. Here, here's the big effort they're going to make over there at, uh, at Krispy Kreme. In a four-page report, the Bild newspaper reported that documents uncovered in Germany, France, and the U.S. revealed that Albert Ryman Sr. and oh, it's Arthur, Albert, not Arthur. Albert Ryman Sr. and Albert Ryman Jr. used Russian civilians and French POWs as forced laborers. Uh, they're going to get 11, $11 million to charity. Okay, $11 million to charity, which means they can write it off, by the way, because they're giving it to charity. Right, yeah. One of the guys is worth $4 billion. Hmm. <laughs> it's like giving, uh, me giving you a quarter, basically, <laughs> is what that is. I mean, honest to God, give me a break. Well, you know... In all fairness, is, is that liquid assets or is oh, it Oh, God, here we go. 
Is it liquid assets? I mean, that's that's real money. I don't care who you are, right? Isn't it? Eleven million. I would think eleven so. million. Yeah, it's a lot billion, of money. Eleven million, still a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but uh, you know, and they really have no reason so basically, to do that. They're just well, right. aside from the yeah. fact that now they're in the news, like hey, giving my people money, messed up. Yeah, yeah, it's a public yeah. relations thing. Yes, is what it is. It is. And you can't blame it on them. They're not responsible for what their no. great-grandparents did. No. Uh, so, sorry. So go out and buy we yourself a box of donuts. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. Enjoy your life. They need to recoup this $11 million they just spent. Tevin, I want you to do this for me. Yep. The next time you go into Krispy Kreme and you're on the road, when you walk in and they say, what would you like, sir? Just go, nine! <laughs> what do you think? Sure they'll appreciate that. And they'll give you nine donuts and you'll leave. Oh, It'll right. be phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> they are good donuts. I got to be honest with you. Why did they fail so miserably in Minnesota? I don't really understand. Because that. of the anti-carb craze. Oh, that's right. It was anti-carb. Yes, back then. That's nobody right. I was eating about carbs. Mm-hmm. I forgot. You're absolutely right. It just—I uh, I don't know what to tell you. It's, uh... <laughs> I just—I <laughs> just looked up how to say donut in German. <laughs> it's oh. cr- crapfen. <laughs> Crapfen? Crap. Nine Crapfen. K R A P F E N. I'm still eating crap. Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tevin just revealed he eats Crapfen. Crapfen for <laughs> like Bezos. Wait, what's his name? Beto. Yeah, what? Beto or Beto, Beto, Beto or, or as he pronounces it around people of color, Beto. You know what? <laughs> I love how he changed the pronunciation of his own name. You know name. what makes me crazy is what? all these young women that are like, "Is he's so handsome? That's why I want to vote for him." It's oh, like, oh God, it's like girls. <laughs> girls. <laughs> you want to be taken seriously? You gotta stop saying stuff like that. Is the girl Isn't crazy? He cute? No. Ah, uh, what are you gonna do? Oh, uh, way to go! Another one of Tevin's cousins gets picked up for uh, crime. What a shock! Alonzo or Alzado, not Alonzo. It's Alzado Harris went to the Chesed Shell Emeth uh, Cemetery in University City, Missouri, in February 2017. He was inebriated, high on pot, and peeved at a friend. That's what led to his next act. He confessed to police per the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, knocking over more than 100 headstones Jeez. in a Jewish graveyard. Way to go, Devin. Your people. He was high and mad. He was high, <laughs> drunk, and mad. Wow. He was all three. A hundred of them. That's a lot. Yeah, that would take a while. Yeah, that's heavy. Aren't they kind of anchored? <laughs> I think they're so anchored, aren't they? Right. He After was... like two, you'd probably sober up real quick and be like, you know what? I'm sweaty. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm Not done. worth it. Not worth it. <laughs> you look down at the grave and go, sorry, muttle, and just walk away. <laughs> what do you think? wonder what That'd the friend for me. Yeah. Uh, like how... I, th- I, would get, I would guess it's a woman. He's a pretty uh, handsome guy. He's, he's not very old, and he's a pretty handsome guy, so I think it's some woman pissed him off. That's what happens whenever I do something wrong. It's always Catherine's fault. Yes. <laughs> always you know, blame. Here, here's what I like. This is wonderful. Despite what Harris did, however, officials determined it wasn't a hate crime or otherwise anti-Semitic. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. He just wanted to knock over gravestones. That's all yeah, it was. So it wasn't anti-Semitic at all. Well, at least he didn't go hit people. That's true, because he's a pretty big guy, too, so he could have gone and beat the piss out of somebody, but he didn't do it. Uh, so, oh. well done. Harris was arrested more than a year after the incident, after officials said his DNA was tied to DNA found on a jacket left at the scene. His DNA had previously been obtained when he spent four months in prison for a 2016 break-in. Oh, this guy's a mess. So, apparently, uh, yeah, Alzado needs to calm down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alzado, could you just dial it back? You're getting way too wound up, and uh, yeah, no, you're not an anti-Semite. You know what I mean? Well, that's good. Yeah, it's a good. <laughs> He's thing. got that going for him. It is a good thing. There's no question about that. But um, I don't know what to tell you. Well, it's too bad. We so Richard never called in. That's too bad. I like Richard. Yeah, I don't see yeah, a nice yeah, guy. I contacted uh, the PR person, but I haven't heard back. Yeah. Oh, no big deal. Like I said, we were just the, the, the coincidence was we were just talking about him on Friday with Tone Bell. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Oh, really? We were just talking to Richard Pryor Jr. Yeah. Oh yeah. We we're talking about him on Friday, but then you know, it's what are you gonna do? We'll be right back. A couple minutes with the family. 
a program that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor? Do you want a guaranteed offer on your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl, who has some exciting news to share. Hey, Tom, we are super excited to announce our guaranteed offer program. Here's how it works. If you qualify, we will guarantee you an offer on your house within 48 hours, which means you could be closing in three weeks. No staging, no cleaning, no decluttering, and of course, no open houses. This is your hassle-free way to sell your home. If you qualify for the program, you will get a competitive offer in 48 hours, period. Sounds like a stress-free way to sell your home. It is, Tom. Some homeowners want the convenience to be able to sell their home quickly without going through the stress of showings, open houses, and so many more headaches, especially if they found their dream home and need to sell fast. You do need to qualify for this program, but that's quick and convenient as well. To see if you qualify for the guaranteed offer program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate, go to chrislindahl.com right now or call 763-401-SOLD. Once again, that's chrislindahl.com, Chris with a K. If you're tired of feeling frustrated because your clothes don't fit like they used to, then Nutramost is for you. Thanks to the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost in Plymouth, I am down 92.5 pounds. The Nutramost program is amazing. I lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. You can have great success just like me because Nutramost is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost will be there for you every step of the way. Start your weight loss journey today and let Nutramost help change your life. Give yourself this wonderful gift or give this program as a present. Nutramost guarantees that you lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramost helped me change my life and they can help you too. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. At the Copa. No, that's not it. Ooh, I was kind of close, though. Yeah, we're... I was a little rhythm close of the night. The, the rhythm of the night, ladies and gentlemen. I, uh... What? What was that? Somebody vomit? Yep. <laughs> yep. Just threw up. I was, gonna, I was like, for fun. Ugh. I went, ugh. Uh, me- I remember when Michael Avenatti announced he was going to run for president? No. You don't remember that? Stormy Daniels' attorney, Michael Avenatti, remember he was going to go after Trump, he was going to bury Trump, and Trump was going to get uh, kicked out of office because Avenatti had all the goods on him. Uh, he was, Avenatti was going to nail him, remember that? And then he said he was going to run for president in 2020. Well, some bad news for Michael Avenatti. Stormy Daniels' former lawyer, Michael Avenatti, was arrested today, charged with extortion and bank and wire fraud, also tax evasion, Says U.S. prosecutors, the high-profile attorney who has also represented some of R. Kelly's accusers faces federal charges in New York and California, the AP reports. The New York charges have to do with allegations that he tried to extort up to $25 million from Nike by threatening the company with negative publicity, CNBC reports. In fact, the 48-year-old lawyer was arrested mere minutes after he tweeted, Tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we'll be holding a press conference to disclose a major high school-college basketball scandal perpetrated by at Nike that we have uncovered. This criminal conduct reaches the highest levels of Nike and involves some of the biggest names in college basketball. Nike has not commented. In a separate uh, case out of Los Angeles, Avenatti is accused of negotiating a $1.6 million settlement for a client, but then taking the money himself to pay expenses for his coffee business. Oh, my God. He's also accused of submitting fraudulent tax returns to a bank in order to get three loans totaling $4.1 million for his law firm and coffee business. In reality, Avenatti never filed personal income tax returns for 2011, 2012, 2013, did not make any estimated tax payments in 2012 and 13. Instead of the millions of dollars he claimed to have paid in taxes, Avenatti still owed the IRS $850,000 in unpaid personal income tax, plus interest and penalties for the tax years 2009 and 2010. So he didn't pay taxes <laughs> the way it looks here. He didn't pay taxes 2000. Uh, 9, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. That's some serious uh, prison time, yeah. I would say. Avenatti was arrested in Manhattan. is due to appear there in federal court today. So, so uh, Mr. Avenatti, you're... is a scumbag. Yeah. Surprise. Scumbag is a scumbag. That's exactly right. So Avenatti's career is now over. His life is over. Hey, what about Avenatti's Global Baristas US LLC operating Tully's Coffee Stores in California and Washington? What happened to those kids? Um, Does anybody know anything about them? 
Mm-mm. No. Yeah, apparently uh, his coffee business not quite Starbucks part two, if you know what I'm saying. What happened to that guy, by the way? Mr. Starbucks, he was going to run for president, too, and I haven't heard a word from him Howard in a while. Howard Schultz? Howard Schultz, yeah, what happened to him? I think he's still he's still tweeting things. Doing stuff. Oh, is that right? Is he? You know, how they do. I'm not even going to read this story, but Pilot isn't sure why he flew to the wrong country. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, that's... That can't be good news, you he think? probably be fired. Uh, <laughs> yes, I would guess so. Alex, uh, some bad news for one of your favorite groups of all time. Okay, well, it's not bad news. It's just new news. I shouldn't say it's bad news. just new news. Okay. But, uh, Mel B. Now, which one is Mel B? She is the black one. She's the black woman. Yeah. Okay, Mel B. says she slept with Jerry Hallowell. Who's Jerry Hallowell? No idea. Oh, she's Ginger Spice. Oh, spice. Oh, that's Ginger Spice? No, yeah, it's not. So Mel B and Ginger Spice? Ginger Spice is Jerry. Her name's Jerry. Oh. Jerry Hallowell, yeah. That's what, that's what, what he said. I said. Oh. Right, so they <laughs> said Spice Girls slept together? That Apparently that's right true. Oh, they were stumping up a storm. Male Jerry. <laughs> yeah. And then I said Jerry. <laughs> okay. I didn't get much sleep last no. night. <laughs> no. Well, you know, you need getting some sleep. I will say this it's time to read stories like this more often. I really like this story coming up. That Peter oh, Spice, like Spice Girls story. <laughs> yeah, the Spice Girls stumping up a storm. Let's be honest. You and your mistress what did you do? stuff all the time. Yes, exactly. Uh, Peter Tabichi is a science and math teacher in one of the poorest schools in Kenya, and he gives away the majority of his paycheck to help his community and students at the Kariko Secondary School in Pwami. The 36-year-old Franciscan friar just got those funds back and then some. He was awarded the Varkey Foundation's $1 million Global Teacher Prize, presented him Sunday in Dubai by actor Hugh Jackman. Tabichi beat out 10,000 other nominees from nearly 180 countries around the world. He gives his paycheck away for years. They've now given him a $1 million. That's, you know, that's a great story, yeah. don't you think? So Tabichi uh, giving all his dough away. Some of the highlights of Tabichi's efforts in the famine-plagued Rift Valley include starting a talent nurturing club, helping students, more than 90% of whom are living in poverty, enter international science competitions and assisting them with an electricity-generating project. Isn't it amazing in 2019, we have to learn how to generate electricity? Yeah, what? Right. <laughs> okay, but America sucks. Let's not forget that, Okay. Africa will produce scientists, engineers, entrepreneurs whose names will one day be famous in every corner of the world, he adds. And girls will be a huge part of this story. So there you go. Teacher Tabichi. Tabichi. That's a great story. T-A-B-I-C-H-I. Oh, T-A-B-I-C-H-I. That's what it is. Tabichi. B-I-C-H. B-I-C-H. Tabichi. You think you pronounce it Tabichi? All right. What? I'm just asking a question. I don't understand what you're saying. I'm trying to say the man's name. Mm -hmm. What's the problem? Okay. What? (laughs) Well, anyway. I don't understand what your problem is. (laughs) Well, anyway, moving on to other news. Is that what we're talking about here? Mm -hmm. I suppose. Uh, And what I'm trying to do is look around all of the political news because now the White House wants an apology from uh, the Democratic Party. Um, oh, yeah, the Mueller or Mueller or whatever. I've never actually Mueller. heard the guy's Mueller name report. spoken yeah. before. It's Mueller? Uh, Mueller. 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 Yeah, that apparently uh, found yeah. nothing. Surprise, surprise. No, apparently it's Mueller. I, uh, Mueller? Apparently it's pronounced Mueller, yeah. I see. But I've heard it pronounced Mueller as well, so I don't know. Well, it's, per- it's spelled Mueller. What's the E it's for? It's Mueller. Mueller. I don't know. Mm. I have no idea. But uh, apparently uh, now they're gonna they're gonna go that route, and uh, I don't know. Could is there any way we could get these politicians to stop pissing away our tax money, like twenty five to thirty million on, on this project nope. that never was going anywhere anyway? Nope. Can we stop? You know, all that is is hey, look at what our hands are doing over here while they're doing other things, stealing out of our pockets with their other hand. I don't know. Politicians really drive me over the deep end. It's just, good God, it's all about you and how much money you can make. Isn't that unbelievable? How about the fact that Gronk called it quits? Gronkowski retires at 29 years old. That's an amazing story. Why did he call quits? Just probably when you win Super Bowl after Super Bowl and accomplish everything, you couldn't stay healthy 
either. Yeah, he had a he lot had of injury a lo- problems. Yeah, with his uh, oh, elbow. Well, he's gigantic. And, yeah. yeah. He had he had concussion zone, issues. Yeah. But he, uh, his How agent said he? he might come back. They were like, oh, if Tom Brady oh. calls him up and says that he needs him, don't be surprised if he comes back and plays a few games. Oh, I didn't hear that. Really? Yeah. So, so he's going to be on standby? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Standby for news. He's on call. On call well, football. He's on, on call. Can they do that? Exactly. No, you just on uh, retire. Have you guys had a chance to watch The Push on Netflix? No. no. Nope. Darren Brown's Darren Brown's The Push, it's called. It's about social acceptance and how people uh, will do anything to fit in. It's scary. It's terrifying. It is. It is true. Yeah, social acceptance. It, it's all. Some people will. Basically, they got four different people and easily kind of eased them into the situation. But what? What was the? How many? Did they they interviewed what? They narrowed it down to like, was it twelve or nine? And they got four. They got four people. They got two women and two men. Yeah. And at the very end, after they got in all this trouble, because they suppose a, a guy had a heart attack and died. That's what they thought had happened. And they had to hide his body because they were having a charity fundraiser. And by the time they worked around and worked around and worked around, it made these people look like they were were. Uh, responsible for covering up the guy's death and yeah. hiding him. Yeah. Uh, they so, wanted to make it look like he fell down the stairs, so they, they kicked him to put bruises on his body. You know, well, he was already dead, so I don't know you'd bruise it. You know. Yeah, no, you don't if bruise you're dead, after you're not going to bruise. Dead. No. <clears throat> so eventually... Even if you're fresh, <laughs> freshly it, dead. <laughs> eventually it turns out in the story that this guy was not dead, that he had some medical condition and made him go into a coma so it oh. looked like he was dead. Yikes. And he was all pissed off at these people. And he went and sat on the edge of a building. And three of the four of them pushed him off the building, thinking that yeah, they were killing him up. to cover it up. Three out of four killed him. Wait, is and this now a real story? Are, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a thing that they pulled off. But now people who watched the show, The Push are asking these three people who pushed him off to be prosecuted. They're saying they thought they were killing a human being. They should be arrested and prosecuted for that. I was wondering oh, about that when when they when yeah. they said that these yeah. people had actually done it. The guy was hooked up to like a safety harness safety thing, harness, but they actually yes, thought that he, they were pushing him off. They thought they were killing him. They did, I can't absolutely. imagine. Wow. Well, that's attempted murder. It's like a hell of a show. It I is know. attempted murder, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think so. But the only reason they were doing it is so they would fit in with everybody else at the fundraiser. Isn't that un? I mean, you need to watch this. It was it's very interesting. Amazing. Just it's how they gross. just how they weeded them out into being like super compliant. It was like yep. they had these. They had four actors sitting in chairs, and when a bell rang, they would stand mm-hmm. up. And when the bell rang, they'd sit down. And these other people were coming and thinking that they were just applying for something, right? And some people just start standing up and sitting down with them, yeah. not no knowing reason. why. Yep. Yeah, they don't even know why they're standing up and sitting down. They just do it to try to fit in. So what? if the people did that, they knew that they had a compliant side to them. Yep. Mm. And the people that were, like, sitting and going, what is wrong with these people? They just didn't use them. So they were I looking see. for a particular, yeah, particular personality type. But what it really indicated is whether you're you follow, you know, a certain political bent like you know being a republican or being the democrat you will do anything to fit into that democratic yep. or republican mode. herd mentality anything just so yep. you fit in it's just really terrifying that unless you be- believe in me and unless you agree with me i hate you yeah it was two women and two men one man and the two women which was surprising the women did it not surprising and two, one man didn't kind yeah of not. Excuse me. I know. And then when they're at when they're done and they're like, um, so what do you think about the fact that you were willing to do such to a dastardly someone. deed to fit in? And they're like, well, I think now that I look back, now I think I'll be stronger and maybe not do what everybody oh says God. I should do. Maybe not kill someone. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're a little oh, scary, aren't you? I'm telling you, they could get these people to do anything just so those people could feel like they fit in with the crowd. It's just terrifying. That, that Well, you see now, did you see, by the way, what Barbara Streisand said? You told me. Nope. Oh, God. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Barbara Streisand said, you know, those two guys that were on that show about Michael Jackson, well, you know, 
they were thrilled to be with him when he sexually assaulted them. Mm. And then she, then she said, "What the? I got to bring the story up. It's it, it's unbelievable you, what this woman said about she, these you young boys." Like, you told me that she said, "Well, it didn't kill him." Yeah, it didn't kill him. Said, "Well, they grew up and they got married and they had children, so it didn't kill him." And they were thrilled to be there. And he he had sexual needs, and those sexual needs needed to be met. Oh boy! She actually said <laughs> that. Jeez. Well, there are people that believe what? pedophiles. That's like a sexual. Not preference. Yeah. Orientation. Orientation. Yeah. yeah. So now preying on people. It's like a rapist. Apparently rapists then should be able to rape people because that's a sexual need. Is yes. that the kind of line of thinking they're going well, with? Well, that's the problem with it. It's like where oh. do you where Draw do you stop line. this, you know? Yeah. Oh I'm I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's not uh, let's not get into having sex. It's like, sex well, he's with compelled children. to murder people, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so leave him alone. Okay. I was born leave him alone. This, I was born this way. Yeah, to exactly. People. Oh, I just you, hate I can't that argument it. so much. Right. I can't even tell you how much I hate that. But then we find out, of course, that Barbara Streisand was tortured by her stepfather when she was a little kid, and she will do anything to fit in. It is just absolutely but unbelievable. What does fitting in have to do with agreeing with Michael Jackson? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's Hollywood because she hasn't had a hit record since the 80s. She hasn't yeah. had a hit movie since the 80s or early 90s. She really doesn't have any purpose in Hollywood anymore, so she has to fit in any way she possibly. Well, she's 76 years old I'm now. Trying to stay what? relevant, I yeah. suppose. I'm just trying to stay relevant. I How guess. is defending like child rape fitting in in yeah, well, know. there you go. Well, because they do it all the time in Hollywood, probably. I wouldn't doubt that for one minute. Seems to be the case. Um, isn't it terrible? Yes. Well, I was trying to bring the story up, but, of course, USA Today blocked it. What a shock. But, hey, yeah, yeah she, that's, that's the whole problem. She said, uh, look, those kids, when they were with them, they were thrilled to be there. Mm. Like, okay, well, we'll take a break. Be right back with, with the family. Oh, Bill Shelley is with us. Excellent. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you. Do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Samantha, who started as a customer service rep and is now operations manager. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, this 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Uh-oh. I was working in the lab late one night. What year did this song come out? It was in the 60s, wasn't it? The early 60s or maybe late 50s even? I think it's been a while. I want to say like... The Monster Mash. 62 maybe? 62? Maybe. I'd have to look Is it up. Bill with us? Yes. Yes, I'm Bill here. Bill ladies and gentlemen. You know when Monster Mash came out, Bill? Do you have any idea? <laughs> um, not precisely, but I believe it was the early 60s, like 62? Yeah, I think that's about Sounds right. Sounds about I right. I think it is. Absolutely, yeah, it's right there. You know, one thing I really enjoy, Bill, by the way, this is kind of, it has nothing to do with anything, basically, but uh, one thing I really enjoy about the, your Amazons and your Netflix and all the rest of it, particularly Amazon, you can go back and watch, uh, Boris Karloff hosted a show where he was a detective on British television, and you can watch the entire series now from like 60 years ago. It's really nice yeah. to have oh, yeah. that at hand. I love watching that stuff. It's it's wonderful. 
Well, we have so much available to us now in popular culture. It was never like that years ago, and now no. it's just like a, a cornucopia of stuff uh, you just could never keep up. Yeah, it's it's really really terrific. I will tell you by the way that uh, you are talking to the you're preaching to the choir when you're talking to me because I just love this stuff. I've always loved this stuff. James Warren, Empire of Monsters, a man behind Creepy Vampirella and Famous Monsters, Empire of Monsters. Bill Shelley, our very special guest, the definitive biography of the visionary publisher of Famous Monsters of Filmland, the magazine that inspired filmmaker Steven Spielberg, George Lucas. Who are those guys? Never heard of them. Just kidding. Um, but, yeah, th- this is an entire culture. and always, Has it always been a culture? Because it's a big, big deal now, isn't it? Well, you know, a lot of the uh, original monster movies were, public, were came out in the 30s and 40s, and those films were kind of forgotten until uh, the late 50s when television needed stuff to, to show, and they needed to fill the airwaves. And so Universal had this di- television uh, division called Screen Gems, and they put out this package called Shock Theater, and they brought back right. all those old movies, and those, and that's what... Made, brought them to the baby boomers of the late 50s and early 60s and gave them a whole new life. You know, and that's what, oh, yeah, that's no what James Warren reckoned, that's what James Warren recognized is that he, he saw that there was a great deal of interest in these uh, uh, monster movies and old scary films. It's really funny. We had for years Horror Incorporated, which was on Channel 5 locally. It was what you're talking about where, where Dracula would come out of the coffin and he'd host these horror films. There's still what? Um, Sven Gulli is still in, mm-hmm. still in uh, the state of Florida. You can watch Sven Gulli, and he's on like three, four nights a week with these. I mean, all the way back to, to the, you know, the, the early 50s, mid 50s, 60s, 70s. He goes all the way back. But I guess people just love them. They tune in all the time to watch Sven Gulli and, and exactly what we're talking about. But it was always so much fun, whether it was Swamp Thing or it was, you know, the day the earth stood still or the monster, you know. Obviously, the Frankensteins and Draculas, those, when I was a kid, that was right in the wheelhouse. That stuff was just a ball to go see at your local theater. It was, it was wonderful. And they, these were movies from, well, Frankenstein came out in the 40s, didn't it, or initially? Well, no, Frankenstein came out in 1931. And 31, then there was really? Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. La- Elsa Lancaster? Right, and then they followed with Son of Frankenstein, and that, those were the three that Karloff did. But then they continued, Universal continued to make more Frankenstein movies into the 40s, like you said. Why do you think it is that in the 30s, and I always thought it was the 40s, and I thought it might have something to do with the world at war, and maybe it still did in the 30s, but um, you had Frankenstein, you had Dracula, you had Wolfman, you had a lot of mummy films, because I know there's some some action going on in, in Egypt and all the rest of it. Why do you think the 1930s gave birth to all these? Just because filming was now available, movies were available, so it was just a... It was time to do it. Is that the way they looked at it? Well, I, I think it was that the, in the si- end of the silent era, there were films like Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney. Right. And right. there were there was a, a, a people who worked in that, uh, doing those kind of movies in the late silent films. And then when the sound movies came around in the 30s, it opened up that additional dimension. And then um, I guess it was really just that it was in the middle of the Deep Depression. And so this this was a kind of way of oh, completely taking yep. you taking you out of all your problems and everything into this fantastic world. Mm-hmm. And um, these monsters, monsters have always had appeal for people. Uh, we're always, you know, fantasi- uh, uh, just um, love the monsters, and, and uh, uh, people uh, were just totally, in, uh, just loved, the, the, like what Karloff did with Frankenstein, scared people. People ran out of theaters, they were so scared. But at the same time, they loved it. The same reason we get onto a roller coaster. You know, the fear is a way of releasing something, and when you get off, you feel so good. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, in our family, Catherine, my wife, and Andy, our son, they do not like horror films, but uh, our daughter Alex and I love watching them. So half the family love it, the other half family doesn't care for it. Is that kind of how the world goes about you either love them or you don't? 
Well, you know, there's all kinds of horror films. And, right, you know, if right. you think about it, the, there's the, the universal ones with Frankenstein and so on. Those were more or less sedate. They were not that scary, per se. Right. Nowadays, we have you know, a lot of gory movies and movies that are really uh, very, very intense. And I think there's a lot of people nowadays that can't handle that level of intensity. I think you're right. You know, it's interesting, Bill, is, is, is when... Um the Exorcist came out. That was what, 1972, something like that. Is that right? Early. Right that was the early 70s, 74, I believe. It was here. 74. Okay. So I'm sitting in the balcony at the old Gopher Theater in downtown Minneapolis. On my right, I have my friend Gil, who's uh, I, you know, he was he was like Protestant, and on my left, because I went to Catholic school. And I had never even heard of exorcism, you know, the whole time I was going to Catholic school back and I was, you know, like 21 years old or 20 years old, something like that. But I uh, saw so on my right uh, in the front row of the balcony is, is my friend Gil. And on my left is my friend Greg, who went to Catholic school with me. So the movie starts. We get about a half an hour into the movie, uh, 45 minutes into the movie, whatever it was. Gil starts laughing and Greg got up and left because he was so terrified he couldn't even sit in the theater. And I was always amazed by that reaction. So one guy's terrified, and the other guy thinks it's hilarious. Right. But it, uh, well, the, the, the line it, that really it, got... It, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going no, to say that there, there's something slightly humorous about the demon in The Exorcist. Because the yeah. demon... It's like the demon's having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way Gil looked at it. He thought it was this is hilarious, man. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and what the uh what the monster said about uh about what his mother was doing in hell, I thought he was gonna fall out of yeah. the balcony, he was laughing so hard. It's <laughs> oh like, my, oh my yeah, god. That, <laughs> really? That was pretty shocking stuff at that time, of course. Oh god, was it ever. It was unbelievable. So, um Empire of Monsters. What what inspired you to get this done and, and talk about James Warren and, and, and the Empire of Monsters? Well, the thing is that uh, in the uh, 60s, there was something called the Comics Code. And that meant that okay. suddenly, suddenly comics were bad for you, and particularly uh, scary comics, horror comics. So kids couldn't get access to anything about that. Like they could... There was lots of uh, science fiction and different things, but the horror genre was really not available until he came along. But he recognized kids wanted to read, oh. look at the pictures of the monsters, and they couldn't get them anywhere else because they, the comic books couldn't show anything like that anymore. But these were magazines, and magazines were not controlled by the comics code. Mm. And he even did comic books in magazine form like creepy and eerie that told scary stories that could never be in comic books and kids couldn't get anywhere else. So he was providing uh, a niche, you know, the horror niche for, for kids uh, then huge numbers of baby boomers coming up in the 60s that couldn't get this material anywhere else. And not only was he providing it, but he was doing it in really in magazines with the top artists of the day, with people, something like 30 of the people that did his comics uh, ended up in the Comic Book Hall of Fame. And it's, oh. it's just a, a, an amazing um, publishing history he had from 1958 to 1982. And he published the horror magazine, Famous Monsters, which he talked about. And that was mostly just pictures of the movies and things. And then there were the horror comics that had stories in comic book form that were ex extremely well-drawn and just beautiful to look at. And... and uh, you know, so much fun. And, of course, like anything else, kids love things their parents hate. And so uh, they, they loved them. And <laughs> That's they would, true. <laughs> they, would, they would hide them under the bed with their mad magazine. And um, mm -hmm. um, they were extremely popular and, and filled in a gap from about 58 to 82 before comics could become more adult. It could actually begin to produce material that slightly older reader wanted. And, and, and because comic books had been so dumbed down by the comics code, there couldn't be anything in them that was just was for just little children. So uh, what Warren provided was he filled a need for, you know, a couple of generations of kids. And, of course, now that all those kids grew up and they became the Steven Spielbergs and the George Lucases and people like that. Uh, and nowadays, there's huge monster fandoms, and there's conventions oh, for yeah. horror films, and there's all these things. And Warren is still alive, 
and he's in pretty good health. He's 89, and he goes to these conventions, and he's like a god because he he published these magazines. Uh, Bill, do you think it is necessary, particularly for young, maybe let's say 12 years old, and then in your teens, and you know, young people, your brain hasn't fully formed until you're what 26, 27 years old, and certainly in your mm-hmm. teen years, it's, it's it's quite a ways. Do we need things like this to help kind of? Uh, identify our fears. We know we're afraid of something or there's, we're just uncomfortable or there, there's some, do we need this to say that it, look, this is at least, it's not real, but I can kind of put some of my fears in a movie theater or a magazine or whatever. Does it make people feel better? Some people, not everybody, of course, but some people maybe. Well, I, I, I'm sure it does. I think the interesting point that Warren made was that kids identified with the monsters because they oh, felt okay. like they were stuck in a world that they never made. They were brought mm-hmm. into a world they didn't ask to be brought into, and they were told what to do, like Frankenstein was told what to do. He, the monster was chained up, and he he had all these, you know, he wasn't allowed to roam free or anything, and, and he was like a big kid in some ways. And uh, kids identified with monsters for that reason, and that's why Warren aimed his magazines particularly at kids from 10 to 12 and 10 to 14 right in there and um, because I, I think it, it, it there was something about the monsters that that the kids you know you felt sorry for the monster yeah and yep. uh, the, the, we're talking about these kind of we're not talking about Freddy Krueger we're not talking about no 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 Jason. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we're yeah we're talking about the original reason why these monster magazines were popular now today i really i think that that movies obviously serve a function to just release people's you know people can get into them they can release their imaginations they can get rid of those fears but i don't i'm not a psychologist i couldn't speculate about the effect that horror movies today have on kids oh uh, yeah, yeah. People. yeah that's but a I, different deal yeah, but they certainly are. They certainly are the main. The young audience is the main audience for horror films now. Still, I mean, they are the ones that support them. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, all those movies skew younger in terms of the audience. I mean, not little kids, yeah. but I mean, no, you know. Bill, I'll tell you, one of the some of my greatest memories going to the old Broadway and the Empress Theater and the you know the Paradise Theater in my neighborhood. I grew up in the inner city, and and we used to love going to the double features, the triple features. And one of my favorite times, we're sitting in there and and we're we're we're, we're watching the Mummy, the movie, the Mummy, right? And yeah. I'm like right. probably twelve, thirteen years old, something like that. And I will never forget how I laughed so hard. Because the mummy comes along and it kills a guy. And, and as the mummy's walking away from the guy he killed, a guy in the back goes, How you can't outrun a mummy? Which I thought was one of the funniest things. <laughs> well, somehow, somehow, somehow the mummy was able to get people into a corner somehow. <laughs> yes. That's right. <laughs> it was wonderful. It, it, it was a great way to spend a Saturday, I'll tell you that. It was, and you know, and and, and uh, the the movie theater was, you know, uh, a haven for kids uh, anyway, because no oh, yeah. adult would go to a Saturday matinee full of kids. You'd you'd go out of your mind no. with all the popcorn being thrown around and the screaming and the yelling. Yeah, so much. Fun. Oh God, yes. No, it was indeed. The book is called James Warren, Empire of Monsters, the man behind Creepy, Vampirella, and Famous Monsters, Bill Shelley. It's S-C-H-E-L-L-Y. Bill, just to reminisce about it, what a, what a great time. And I'm sure the book will do very, very well. Sir, thank you for your time today. Well, it's great. Thanks for having me on, Tom. Our pleasure, Bill. Thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.